John 14. This is the theme passage of Scripture for our missions year. And that is that the world may know that you've seen on the logo and so forth. John 14 is where that phrase appears, one of the places. And I want to read a portion of John 14. So we are at page 640, if you're using one of the Black Pew Bibles around the auditorium for our guests. Page 640, John chapter 14. I'm going to jump down to verse 19 and begin reading there. Verse number 19. By the way, Jesus Christ is in the upper room with his 12 apostles hours before his crucifixion. And he said to them, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas, this is interesting, Judas the betrayer, saith unto him, I'm sorry, not Judas Iscariot. My mind is jumping in a different direction. Judas, Jude, we call him not Iscariot, said, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you, before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not Talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Let's take our Bibles and turn to John 14. I want us to think for a few moments this morning about this amazing theme that the world may know. It's the theme of our missions year. It's the theme of our missions revival this week. And, and I want to share with you some things about this amazing theme that we find in the Gospel of John that the world may 
know. This, this phrase focuses on a world lost in sin, but ignorant of what God had and what God is doing to remedy that eternal problem. A world that just doesn't know. They don't know what's in store for this world. They don't know the possibility of what could be in store for them. And Jesus so desperately wants the world to know. The things that he wants the world to know reaches back into eternity before God created the heavens and the earth. The things that Jesus Christ wants the world to know reaches forward to the time that we just heard sung about. And Jesus Christ, as he ended his life on earth, had a passion that the world might know what God had and was doing to remedy the problem of their eternal damnation. And so we have turned in our Bibles to John 14. This is in the midst of the upper room experience that Jesus Christ had with the apostles. He's got his 12 apostles there. They've observed the Passover meal in honor of Israel's deliverance from Exodus as the death angel passed over anyone's life who was protected by the shed blood applied to their lives. And that became a memorable event that was relived every year as they observed the Passover, the night that the death angel passed over them because their confidence was in the shed blood that was applied to their lives. Jesus is in the upper room. He's got his twelve. He's hours away from crucifixion. And he has just been sharing with them the things that are on his heart about a world who needs to know what's happening. In a moment, one of the apostles will leave. He's the traitor. And he'll go and he'll tip off the authorities that Jesus is going to leave with his band, and they're going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he often would go to pray. They'd be able to capture him and arrest him there. After Judas had left, and they wrapped up the, the teaching time, the precious teaching time, the things that Jesus Christ shared, they left. At the end of the chapter we just read a moment ago, arise, and they left. They began to wander, to wind through the, the city of Jerusalem to go from the upper room out across the Kidron Valley and up into the Garden of Gethsemane. And there Jesus Christ would, would spend time in prayer. As he was walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, he had a conversation with the eleven that were with him. And then he had a conversation with God. And then he arose, arrived at the Garden of Gethsemane where he spent the rest of the... Night in prayer until the soldiers came. Now this amazing uh, series of events and the teaching, the things that Jesus talked about, are all recorded in John chapter 13 through 17. This is the most complete rendering that God gave to us of what happened in the upper room and in route to the Garden of Gethsemane. And in this, this period of time, Jesus Christ focused on the world. As a matter of fact, in, 
in a series of 29 verses interspersed throughout chapters 14, chapters 13 through 17. In 29 separate verses, the word world occurs 40 times. 40 times the word world crossed the lips of Jesus Christ. He's captivated by thoughts of this world. He's thinking about this world. He's with his apostles, but his mind and his heart is on the world of people that he came to die for. And Forty times Jesus Christ spoke of the world. He spoke of the world as a place of enmity against God. He spoke of the world as a place, uh, a people in rebellion against God, lost in their sin, ignorant of what God was doing to rescue them. He spoke of the world as, as the people that, that had come to him and gotten saved. And he spoke of the world as the rejectors that rejected him. His heart is for a world of people and what God the Father was doing to rescue their lives over and over again. I, 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 I've got all 29 verses and all 40 uses of the word world in front of me. His heart and his mind is saturated with a heart for the world. He's facing Gethsemane. Beyond that, the scourge. Beyond that, the cross. Calvary. Its pain and its purpose fills his heart and mind. What had brought him to this moment and what would flow out of this moment saturates his heart. His focus is on the world and on a handful of men who will be his link to that world. And over and over again, he references the world of lost people, the world of saved people, the world of missionary workers, the world that is lost and the world that is being reached by those who go out with this message of what was happening in Jerusalem. He spoke of the lostness of the world. He spoke of the work of the Holy Spirit convicting the world of its sin. And he spoke of the men who will spearhead the work of reaching that world with the story of what they were going to see happen in the next 24 hours. We find in Jesus' heart and in his words a profound summary of the work of missions. At the moment that his emotions are grappling with the pain of being separated from his father for the first time in eternity. As his emotions grappled with the, with the reality of what it was going to be like to take Mike Elstock's sin upon his own shoulders. And for the first time in eternity, he who knew no sin would become sin. He felt the dirt he felt the separation from the Father and all that is holy. He felt the agony and the pain of the physical torment as well as the emotional torment. He was grappling with all that was going to happen in the next 24 hours. 
But his mind and his heart was saturated with a love for a world of rebels. And 11 men who would become his link to get his message to that world. And so 40 times he spoke of this world. He spoke of this world of unsaved. He spoke of this world of saved. He spoke of this world of rebellion. He spoke of this world of conviction by the Spirit of God. He spoke of this world of those who would be saved through the work of missions. Jesus is focused on this world. And it's in this context that we find the greatest needs that this world has. Needs that are filling the heart of Jesus. Needs that he desperately wants to see met. This world needs to know. This world needs to understand what is happening. And they don't know. They're ignorant. Nobody has told them. Hence, Jesus' heart for world evangelism and the work of missions. This world is in great need due to its rebellion and sin that plunges each inhabitant into a condition of being lost. And Jesus is thinking about that need. We could really speak of this as three needs. And we find three phrases in which Jesus speaks of the world and a need that are all interrelated. One of them is found in chapter 14 and two of them are found in chapter 17. I want you to see and listen to Jesus Christ speak of the greatest three needs that this world has. Here in chapter uh, chapter 14 and verse 31, we find the first phrase. Chapter 14, verse 31, Jesus said, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. You see, Jesus wanted the world to know that the Father has a plan. The world is lost, but it's not lost without a plan. It's not lost without a possibility. It's not lost without a God who has undertaken the work of designing a plan for its rescue. And Jesus Christ said, I want the world to know that I love the Father. And because I love the Father, I have obeyed what He told me to do. And what did the Father tell Him to do? The Father told Him to take the sin of mankind upon His shoulders and die on a cross in their place. And Jesus Christ talked to the Father about that in chapter 17 as he walked to Gethsemane. Jesus wants the world to know the Father's plan. You see, Jesus wanted the world to know that there was a special bond between his heart and the heart of the Father. If you can imagine being in the world in which Jesus was for his earthly ministry, there are religions that, that look to God the Father as existing, but they look at Jesus Christ as an imposter. Someone that has no relationship with God the Father. Who are you, Jesus? 
And Jesus wanted the world to know that there was an inseparable bond between the heart of the Father and between His heart. A bond that bound them together in a plan they designed in eternity past. When God discussed the salvation of a rebellious world before He ever created the first man and the first woman. And in those council meetings of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God designed the plan whereby He would initiate the redemption of a world that would rebel against Him and be lost in sin and hopeless in their condition. And Jesus wants the world to know that the plan that He and the Father and the Spirit of God designed is a plan that binds their hearts together in love. And so tight are their hearts, and so powerful is their love for one another, that when the plan was designed and God the Father said, Go! Jesus said, I obeyed the command that the Father gave me. I left heaven's glory. I came and entered into humanity through a virgin birth. I lived a sinless life. I preached the gospel of the kingdom. I shared with people how they could become a part of God's eternal kingdom. And ultimately, I will go to the cross and pay the price that is necessary. You see, Jesus Christ wants the world to understand this salvation of humanity is a team effort. It's a team effort between God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are united in love. They wanted to reach a world in rebellion. And their love for one another binds them together in this plan. A plan whereby the Son would leave heaven and come to earth and provide an amazing salvation. If you look in chapter 17... Jesus is on the road to Gethsemane. He's talking to God the Father. Listen to Jesus talk to God the Father about the plan that they had designed. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father... Glorify thou me with thine own self, with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. The world needs to know the plan hatched in the heart of eternal God for a world lost in sin. 
They need to know that God is united in the design and in the carrying out of that plan. And that plan designed by God is about to be launched upon the world. And Jesus wants the world to know the plan that united his heart to the Father and that was launched on earth. Every person needs to know the Father's plan. Every human being around the world needs to know the Father's plan. They need to know what the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit designed as the plan to reach mankind. And missions is God's link to that world to be able to take the knowledge of that plan to every continent, to every country, to every city, to every village, to every man, woman, boy, and girl. That they might know the plan that united the hearts of an eternal God to provide for his fallen creation. But there's a second need. Not only do, does the world need to know the plan that God designed, they also need to know that that plan was launched out of love for them. That plan was launched out of a love that God had for His fallen creation. They need to know God loves you. Wherever you are and whoever you are, God loves you. Look at that. In chapter 17 and verse number 23, Jesus Christ nearing Gethsemane. In verse number 23, in conversation with the Father as they walk along, Jesus said, I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me. That's knowing the plan. That's the first need. That God sent Jesus to this earth to provide for mankind's salvation. But it doesn't end there. That the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. The first need is that the world would know that God the Father and God the Son love each other and are bound inseparably in a plan they designed to reach a world in rebellion. But the second need, and the world needs to know that what launched that plan was His love for them. The world needs to know they're loved. The world needs to know that there's a God in heaven who not only created them, but He loves them. A world of people who oftentimes live in hate, who oftentimes live in environments in which there is no depth of love that motivates people to care for them. They need to know there is someone who cares for them. Father, the world needs to know that thou hast loved them the same way you Loved me. Whew. My wife and I have got a little 
little lap dog. My wife likes to say she loves the lap dog, Aggie. She'll tell Aggie she loves her. I always tell Aggie I like her. I say, I like Aggie, but I love Betty. My wife says, I love Aggie and I love Mike. And she says that there are different kinds of love. I don't know about all that. I'll tell you something I know. God loves me just like he loves Jesus. That thou hast loved them as thou loves me. It's what Jesus said to the Father. The world needs to know that the Father's plan was launched out of love for them. And so the most quoted verse in all the Bible, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God loves the world. He loves the world he talked about in John chapter 14 to 17. He loves the world of rebels. He loves the ones who will never get saved. He loves the ones who do get saved. He loves the ones that rebel. He loves the ones who repent. He loves the world. With the same love that he loves Jesus Christ. What manner of love is this? How can we understand a God who has such depth of love for a people who have rebelled against him? The work of missions is the link between God and those rebels around the world. The work of missions goes to people all over the world. Starting with the people that live around this building and scattered to the far reaches of the continents of this world. To say to people, there is a God who created you, who has a plan to redeem you. And you need to know that that plan was launched out of love that God has for his fallen creation. He loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave. It's a plan that provides God with an inheritance. Have you ever thought about that? My son-in-law last week was speaking from Ephesians 1. I was thinking about Ephesians 1 as he preached in, in, in the days following that last Sunday. And uh, Ephesians 1 has a remarkable statement in it. In Ephesians 1, the Bible says as, as uh, Paul was praying for and sharing his prayer with the church members at Ephesus, he said that he had been praying that that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. That the Christian people might come to understand that, that God called them unto himself. And they became an inheritance 
to God. God's inheritance is in his saints. Have you ever thought about that? We are God's reward for the price that he paid on Calvary. We are the reward for his suffering. God says in a prayer to Christian people that we might come to understand God's inheritance in us. That, that we are the inheritance to God. He finds in us his reward for the price he paid on Calvary. One of the greatest missionary enterprises in the history of, the, of, of Christianity was the Moravians. Uh, many of whom sold themselves into a life of slavery in the West Indies. Because the, the plantation owners that were uh, making their living off the backs of slaves would not allow non-slaves to come in and have anything to do with those people. And there were Christians in Moravia who were so burdened for the souls of those people. Souls, they said, for whom Christ died. Souls, they said, that, that haven't heard the message. And they prayed, God, would you use us to help you gain the reward for Calvary? And they sold themselves into slavery. And they became slaves in the fields in the West Indies. For the rest of their lives, they were slaves. Suffering the brutality of slavery. For the opportunity to share the plan of God to the slaves that were in those plantations. One of the great missionary enterprises of Christian history were those Moravian brethren who wanted those slaves on plantations to know that God had designed a plan. Motivated by love for them. And they wanted to be the link to bring the news of that love to those people. That were living on those plantations. Oh God values this relationship with the redeemed whom he saved. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 7. The Bible says that in the ages to come. That he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. In his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Amazing. In the ages to come. God is going to point you out to some angels and say, look at so-and-so over there. You know what they were before I saved them? Look at what I made them as a result of my grace and my kindness in redeeming them from a life of sinfulness and making them my children. And he will show Using us as object lessons, he will show the reality of his grace and his kindness. You see, we are God's inheritance. His reward for the price that he paid on Calvary. And for all of eternity, we will be the object lessons of what the grace and kindness of a loving God accomplished in the lives of those who were saved. Oh, the world needs to know. The world needs to know 
a plan designed in unison by a triune God bound together in love. The world needs to know that what motivated them to plan that design was his love for his creation. And that he loved his creation with the same love that they loved one another. And so they designed a plan whereby they might redeem a fallen creation. But there's one more. There's one more need the world has. You see, it's not just, it's not enough for the world to know about the plan. It's not enough for the world to know what motivated the plan. They must believe. Look at verse number 21 in John 17. Verse number 21. Jesus said that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be one in us. Now watch this. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. You see, it's not enough for the world to know that there is a plan. It's not enough for the world to know that that plan was motivated by a God's a Father's love. They must own it. They must believe it. It has to become personal to them as an individual. I was raised in a Christian home that read the Bible and talked about the gospel message. I was raised in a church whose pastor and Sunday school teachers told the story and told the plan and told the love that motivated the plan. But it wasn't enough for me to know the plan. It wasn't enough for me to know that the plan was motivated by love. Over 50 years ago, as a teenager, I believed that plan. I believed the person of that plan. I believe the one who went to the cross and paid for that plan. And when I believed in Jesus Christ with all my heart, God changed my life for the power and the Spirit of God. I had to own it. When the Jews were on the banks of the, uh, when they were in Egypt, there in Egypt, they were told a death angel was going to pass over. It was the final plague upon Egypt. And God told them, that you're to take a lamb, a spotless lamb, perfect lamb. You're to examine it for a number of days. Once it has been proven to be a perfect lamb, you're to kill the lamb. You're to roast it on fire. You're to capture its blood. You're to take a branch of hyssop and dip it in the blood. And you're to paint it around the doorposts of your home. And in that home where the blood has been applied that night when the death angel passed over Egypt and killed the firstborn of every family, if there was blood applied to that house, the death angel passed over and the firstborn lived. If I see the blood, I will pass over you. But if that dad had examined the lamb, if that dad had taken that lamb and killed that lamb, if that dad had roasted the carcass of that lamb on the fire, if that dad had collected the blood from that lamb and put it in a basin and left it on the ground and didn't apply it to the house, then the blood would have been of no avail. And the firstborn son would die. The blood had to be applied. It's not enough to know the plan. It's not enough to know that it was love that motivated the plan. 
I must own the plan. I must believe the plan. The plan must be personally applied to my life. Do you remember when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Do you remember when you cried out from your soul, you knew the plan, you knew that God loved you, but then finally you came to the point in your life where you knew you needed that which is true historically to become true personally in you. And you cried out to God. And you asked Him to rescue you. To save you. I still remember the Sunday night when I cried out to God as a teenager. And I can still remember the sense that John Bunyan talked about in Pilgrim's Progress. When he came to the cross of Calvary and the burden of sin rolled off his back. And he never felt the weight of the burden of the sin that was condemning me to hell. And I remember that day, that night, that burden was lifted that I had carried for a long time. That burden was lifted. And from that day to this morning, I have never felt the burden of the condemnation of my wickedness on my own shoulders again. Because I owned Calvary. I believed it. And Jesus Christ came into my life and rescued me. And he bore the weight of that burden for me. And I've never borne that burden again. The world needs to know. That the world might know that God has a plan that the world might know that that plan was motivated by love. That the world might believe that and be changed by the power of Almighty God. That is as great a missionary story as we find anywhere in the Bible. That the world may know. It was the Father's mission. It was Jesus' mission. It was the eleven apostles' mission. It's my mission. It's your mission. It is our mission to be the link between such a loving God and His plan and the hearts of people all over the world that need to know that plan. Experience that love and be personally impacted by the salvation that plan brings to their hearts and lives. Missions. This week, six missionaries, six countries, three continents. The link between God and a world that has dominated the heart of the God who created it. And we will have first front row seats. Watching and listening. To what's been happening. And to hear the excitement of missionaries. Who are yet to go. Preparing to be the link. To a country around the world.